This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 77 through 95. I apologize if I seem a little bit disorganized today, but I haven't prepared any notes for this podcast because preparing notes takes a long time and it's a big pain in the ass, and I don't want to do it. So from now on, I'm not going to. And if there's anything that I happen to miss, well, then too bad. It's your fault for not sending me questions, which I should point out no one has actually done, so feel free to do that whenever you like. Now, page 77. Pretentious unscripted monologue, I suppose I should explain this, although I have most of Falcon Twin pretty much planned out in my head, and a lot of it's written down in the outline too. I haven't actually written the entire script from start to finish, and I generally only script out stuff in detail for a little ways ahead, and this is one of those times that I ran up to the end of the script, which happens more than you'd probably think, and found myself kind of stuck, and so I had to fill something in between the two scenes. And I did have to have something between the scenes, because it would have been a little bit strange if Mika just lost consciousness and then, boom, regained consciousness again right away. So, here's this scene, and Mika in panel one is sitting back-to-back -back with someone else. We don't know who. Panel two, you can see that pretty much everyone is paired up with someone else. There's someone in the bottom right who doesn't appear to be, but I suppose that maybe there's someone off-screen who she's attached to also. In panel four, there's Yumiko sort of looking ghostly at Mika. Originally, I was going to make her even more ghostly than she wound up being, but then I got worried that she was going to be too difficult to see, and I made her more visible, and now that I look at it, I pushed it way too far. And I'm looking at this on my iBook 2, and the gamma on Macintosh is all screwed up, so everything here looks much, much brighter than it does on a regular PC monitor. In the final panel, there's Mika, again, sitting back-to-back -back with someone. Who is it? Page 78. I'm not going to tell you. So, pretentious unscripted monologue part deux. It's a little bit of a movie reference, but not much. So instead of, like in the previous page, lamenting what Mika is, she pines for what she is not. She does not look really strange like all the characters on this page do. She's not strong like Tresca, she's not happy like Rie, who looks very bad, and she's not loved like Yumiko. And who loves Yumiko? Well, figure it out for yourself. The kind of core of Mika's problem is, is explained in the last panel, is that she's really afraid all the time of everything. Which is something that isn't really a... a central point of Falcon Twin, but it is kind of a peripheral point of what can happen to a person who's afraid of everything and what they do if they're given the tools to deal with that. Moving on, page 79. This is a really stupid title for this page. Now, the first panel has the text, My Arm, to lead off with, and when I went back to look at this a little while ago, I really had no idea what it meant, so I had to pull out my notes and find it. And apparently what it was is a reference to, as Mika regains consciousness, she recognizes that something has changed, and something is different, and what's different is her arm, because no longer is it got this giant gaping hole in it. So anyway, Mika wakes up, and I think the point of what I was trying to do here was pretty obvious and have the real blown-out light. Mika thinks she's in heaven, but I don't know, it didn't really come off that well, and Tresca's a little bit too obvious who she is in the third panel, so I think if I had been a little bit more judicious with how I put all that blowout light around her, it might have worked a little bit better. At any rate, when Mika does actually call her an angel, Tresca reacts as if it's really stupid, and Mika forgets her name and calls her a tricycle, which actually probably means nothing at all to Tresca. And this is sort of an ongoing thing with Mika. She has problems sometimes remembering words, so oftentimes people will say something, and then before long, Mika will repeat it but get it wrong. So she calls Tresca Triskel, she calls Sydney Cindy, she calls Chotia Choto, which is a Japanese word. And this is one of the examples of it. 
Hey, JD, Tresca's still mad that Mika called her a tricycle. Oh, I don't know why. I mean, I wouldn't be all that mad if people called me a tricycle, but please don't. So Mika wakes up, clears her eyes, and realizes that, hey, her arm's all right. And there's an interesting scroll behind Tresca, which has people worshipping a big beam of light coming down behind some mountains or something. That doesn't really have anything to do with the story of Falcon Twin or the or the lore or the world or anything like that, but I just thought it was sort of an interesting thing to do, and so I did it. And it looks kind of funny back there. Page 81. Tresca reacts with confusion to Mika's surprise that her arm is better, and then goes and asks someone else whether Mika is fine, and I pull out to a slightly wider shot to reveal that Mika is sitting in this bed in this small room next to this healer guy who's healed her. And it's not explicitly stated what he does, which is something that'll come into play in a page or two. But the idea was that he was just sort of, that was his job, is he healed people, and he had this small room where you'd bring a person who was injured in, he'd heal them, you'd pay them, and off you went. Ostensibly, there would be a lot of places like this throughout all cities in this world. Now that I look at the guy, I see that he's got some sort of weird thing going on on his chin. I don't know if that's supposed to be a little goatee, or if that's just a weird cleft chin, or a scar, or what. But I'm going to call it a goatee, because a goatee would be the coolest option. So Mika is still disoriented in panel one on page 82, and Tresca tells Mika to get some real money next time she sees her. I don't think that Tresca really ever expected to see Mika again. It wasn't something where she really seriously was going to hunt her down or expect to just by random chance bump into her again. But, you know, you always have to say something cool like this before you, you know, ditch the main character. You know, and you see that a lot in Japanese movies and stuff where they say, I'm sorry, I could never eat your ramen, but right before they die. It's that sort of thing. So anyways, Tresca bugs out and Mika ponders her absence for a moment and then realizes she's kind of screwed without Tresca and so calls after her. Moving on to page 83, Mika grabs her stuff and leaves and looks back at the guy who healed her. As I said before, it was never explicitly stated that he had healed her, which is why when Mika thanks him, she sort of hesitates about it because she sort of has a sense that she should thank him, but doesn't really know for sure that he did anything. So she's just kind of being polite. The title of this page was really stupid. This was one of those pages where I just had to come up with something. I didn't really have any sort of witty pun to make. So I made reference to information that everyone hopefully already knows if they've read earlier on in the strip. Mika bugs out with one of the thought, bo thought boxes. Again, it's the distinction between the two. Mika isn't consciously thinking, I hope it will. But she's, that's how she sort of feels. On to page 84. Good evening. This was a page that was inspired kind of by the view out of my living room window. I have a big window, and I get to see some of the most amazing sunsets in San Diego County out from it. And they're a source of inspiration. And I tried to capture them, and I never really pulled it off. And this was one of the first times. It's also one of the first times that you actually see a wide shot with a lot of stuff going on. There was a couple of wide shots in Chapter 1 with the Japan Institute for Physics Research, but nothing really detailed, and there were just a couple of buildings and an empty street with a sidewalk with no one on it. So this is the first time you really get to see a shot with a bunch of buildings and a bunch of stuff going on. This is the kind of page that, even though it's a pain in the ass to do, I still like to look at. Uh, even though also the art isn't all that spectacular. It's fun to look and see all the little things that are going on. You can look at all the buildings in the background, people doing all sorts of things, and there's all little stories that everyone has. So you can see one person giving another person directions, mother talking to her daughter, a little boy running around, a plump short woman standing in front of her shop looking at the passing people, 
There's a ninja, the girl selling flowers. On the far right in the restaurant on the second level, you can see a person pointing something out to someone else. You can see people having dinner. There's a store in the back that someone's walking into. All kinds of stuff going on. In the center, you can see the, well, not in the center, I guess, but down the street, you can see the fountain with the crystals. And you can see, if you look closely, that the segments aren't actually connected. They're sort of hovering, which, I don't know, it's a little bit weird. But at least it does convey the idea that the rules in this world are a little bit different than the rules in our world. And I guess I would be remiss if I didn't mention the giant building on the right-hand side of this page, which I always thought it was kind of obvious what it was, but no one else seemed to pick up on it. And to this day, I don't think anyone's really nailed, or even come close to that matter, to specifying what it is. So I'm not going to tell you. Maybe you should write a letter and ask. Although if you do, I won't tell you anyway. But write a letter and ask about something else, please. Page 85. So now Mika looks around, trying to find Tresca. In retrospect, it probably would have been better if I hadn't made the girl in the second panel blonde, especially with that hairstyle, but obviously that's not Tresca, because you can see her clothes are different. Another thing to note is that if you go back and look at page 84, Tresca isn't in it. Because there weren't all that many people in page 84, because packing it really, really densely with people would have been a monster pain in the ass to draw, and I don't have the dedication of some other people who do it full-time, I didn't, and I didn't put Tresca in there so that people didn't just go, whoa, why didn't Mika just go over and, and see there's Tresca right there? Why don't you just go walk up to her and say hi? So I decided not to have Tresca in there at all. And so Mika looks around and doesn't find her. This one sort of straddles the line between the thought bubbles and the thought boxes. They're all boxes here, but they could also be conscious thoughts too. And the title of this page is something that I say a lot, The World of What If. In the world of what if, anything is possible as I say, which is something that people, you know, they always say, well, what if this doesn't work? Or what if, you know, you, you can't make it run that way? This happened a lot in programming. You know, sometimes the things that they would ask were so ridiculous, like, well, what if the user doesn't have a computer? It's like, well, they're not going to be running it anyway. So, you know, the kind of result that I came up with, which is that in the world of what if anything is possible, which is a good way to sort of deflate some people, is if they ask you ridiculous what if questions, you say, well, what if the sun explodes tomorrow, huh? What then? So, like I said, in the world of what if, anything can happen, and so it's kind of ridiculous to go too far with that reasoning. And I've just gone off on a massive tangent. Anyways, page 85, panel 5. I'm not going to talk about it. If you know, you know. If you don't, it's probably for the best. Page 86, Mika does find Tresca. Now, you can see in this page that it's a lot more crowded out on the street. Also, actually, if you look, you can see that the same two characters from panel 2 in page 85 are on the far right in the background on page 86, which is kind of a nice little piece of continuity that no one ever really noticed, and I'm the only person who would actually bother to do something like that. So Mika runs after Tresca and calls to her, and there's a little bit of interesting background stuff in panel 3. Mika tries to establish what's going on, and Tresca sort of makes the situation worse by pointing out that Mika owes her even more money than she thought initially. Page 87, this is where we start to see that Tresca actually is a thief, and this is one of the few times, and the next one is on a couple of pages, when the chibis really make me happy. I really, really like the chibis in panel three on this page, because even though Tresca's a thief and she steals stuff from people all the time, she's still just ecstatic. Every time, it's like the sun decided to shine only on her. And, you know, and there's Mika standing there bewildered at this sort of moment of sheer joy. And Tresca just couldn't be happier. And there's the sun smiling down upon her and the confetti and the stars and everything just right over the top. It was one of the few chibis that I did that I actually really, really like. 
As for the rest of this page in the final panel, I still sort of like Mika's expression, particularly her eyes, which actually I probably look as good as any of the eyes that I've done in the entire strip. So having established what Tresca does for a living, we move on to page 88, and Mika obviously has some moral issues with this, and Tresca sort of explains that it's not as bad as you think, which I don't know that I could really tell a story with a sympathetic character who, you know, stole money from babies. Not that babies have lots of money, but you know what I'm saying is that I don't really think I could have a very sympathetic character who was just this really, really awful person who was out to screw everyone. And also, I don't think that that kind of person would be willing to let Mika hang around with her either. So Tresca's sort of the, you know, Robin Hood. She's, she's a thief, but she's a good thief. She just takes from the people who have too much money anyway. So Tresca isn't too terribly sympathetic to what's going on with Mika, and it hasn't really been explained that Mika isn't from this world, so that's probably part of it. Tresca just thinks, well, go get a job. And actually, I almost forgot this was the first page that I added color it was something that I was originally intending to look more as a, a sapia tone effect, like like an old wanted poster from the Wild West or something. And it never really worked, partly, I think, because the colors are so light. It's not a tan background or something. It's all white in the backdrops. So I never really managed to pull the sapia tone thing off. Nowadays, obviously, I'm adding a whole lot more color. And this was something that I even asked down in the comments below whether I should stick with the colors or whether I should just ditch it. And I was really worried about the extra 20K, which is kind of ridiculous if you go and look at how big other people's homepages are in webcomics. I mean, there are people who are loading 500K worth of crap. Falcon Twin is svelte by comparison. So at any rate, this is the beginning of the color stuff, which continues to this day. And I still use pretty much the same thing as the base. I still use a color balance layer, which lets you take the bright areas and move them in one direction with the color and lets you take the middle areas and move them in another direction and the dark areas and move them in another direction. At this time, I was using just the color layer by itself, which tends to really oversaturate stuff and blow stuff out. Nowadays, I usually use it more as a color layer, which is going to keep the levels and the values of the image the same. It's not going to get any brighter or any darker. It's just going to change the color. Anyway, yet another tangent. Moving on to page 89. I used to really like the first panel on this page, and actually I still kind of do. Their proportions are almost all right. They, they look a little stumpy. But it's nice that they're sort of walking with a big blown out light between them in a moment of quiet contemplation. And again, more thought boxes, not thought bubbles. I'm looking at the font. I think the font was a little bit bigger back then. I might be using a smaller font nowadays. So at any rate, Mika finally screws up her courage and tells Tresca to let her go with her. And Tresca looks kind of surprised, even though I think that probably deep down in some part of her knew that she was going to let Mika tag along. Page 90, Tresca's better judgment takes over, and she basically shuts Mika down altogether. And this was sort of an interesting thing to write. I never really pulled it off as smoothly as I probably would have liked to, because it would have been better if Mika had something really compelling to offer Tresca to let her tag along. But she ultimately didn't. And so the question that Tresca asks is, how could you possibly help with anything? Which really is never answered. But Mika, Mika's determined, and she's nice, I guess, so Tresca decides to let her go along, which is a couple of pages from now. I'm getting ahead of myself. At any rate, there's some, well, there's not really much in, in the way of interesting background stuff here, although there is in a couple of pages. So you can see that Mika didn't really have any good answer to how she could help Tresca either, and off Tresca goes, which is, you know, you can't just succeed right away. If she'd asked Tresca, let me go with you, and Tresca said, okay, that would have been a little bit too easy. Tresca has to say no first, and then Mika has to work for it. 
Next page, this is the holiday thing that I did for Christmas 2003, and it looks pretty good. Actually, this, I'd say, looks probably better than almost all the other stuff around it for quite a few pages in either direction. And this one, obviously, I did in full color. I didn't do it in grayscale and then color it afterwards. Tresca's face looks a little strange, but all in all, it looks pretty good. It's a pretty good Christmas thing. I wasn't too happy with the Christmas thing I did in 2004. Page 91. Another movie reference in the title here should be fairly obvious to anyone with any taste at all. And Mika is sort of trying to come up with ideas of what she can do for Tresca. And this is the other time that I did the chibis, and I actually think that they worked out all right. Especially because there's a little bit of variety in them. So, you know, all the costumes for Mika are kind of fun. And the color things are nice, too. Instead of using just basic sort of sunset, hey, this is pink and yellow colors, I ended up doing a different color theme for every profession that Mika was going to do, every class, if you will. So she has the sort of silver look for the knight, and she has the pink and blue for the ninja, and a couple little leaves there that don't really look like cherry blossoms, but I guess it's close enough. The yellow and the green for the archer, and of course the sort of muddy brown for the pickpocket. Also, another thing that I really like about these shibis is Tresca's expression. If you track her through the four panels, she's sort of curious about what Mika's doing, and then she's just watching Mika, and then she starts to lose patience, and then finally, by the, the last panel, she's really sort of fed up with it. And so page 92 turns around and belts Mika in the face. This is one of those times where you sort of have to hope people will forgive you for doing something that otherwise would end up being a big story point where, oh, you broke my jaw and now I'm bleeding and oh, my teeth are gone and now I have to go back to the healer. I think that people didn't mind it. So Tresca declares that she's not a pickpocket, she's the thief. There's a difference. What is the difference? Only Tresca knows. Mika says that she has been in a fight now after getting punched out by Tresca. And actually, that's not entirely true. She has sort of been picked on, which I think a lot of people would count as a fight, but she hasn't really been involved in fisticuffs, per se. So Tresca helps Mika up and shuts her down one final time before she finally bends and lets Mika go with her. There's another reference in the title here, which is kind of stupid. I don't even want to talk about it. There are some good backgrounds on this page, even though they aren't very detailed and they don't have a lot to see in them. The characters actually still look kind of interesting in panel 3 and panel 5. The only problem that I have with the backgrounds is that the backgrounds have a much broader range of value, the darks and the lights, than the characters do, and so the characters seem kind of flat by comparison, which it seems like it should be the other way around, really. The backgrounds probably should be flatter than the characters are. So Mika comes up with an idea, page 94. Hey, another movie reference. How about that? What is it? No one's posted any. Still waiting. Someone said they recognized some, but they didn't actually post any. This is another time that Mika misunderstands a word. Tresca says chotya, and Mika says choto. Chotya was something that was kind of inspired by a visit to my friend in Poland. The Polish currency is the, I hope I pronounce this correct, the zlotje, something like that. And But it's spelled Z-L-O-T-Y. And I was fascinated by this word that if you just read it in English, you'd think, oh, zloty but it's actually not pronounced anything like that at all. And so this is another example of where a word comes out that Mika doesn't really understand, and so she kind of fits it to a different word that she knows. The name of the currency was something that, in retrospect, I probably should have just not mentioned at all, but I did, and I felt that I really needed to mention it, and I didn't want to do gold or, God forbid, gill or something like that, so I had to come up with something and, and decided to just crib straight from the Polish. Good people, all of them. And here are more chibis on this page, chibis that didn't really work very well. I mean, they at least conveyed the ideas, but I don't think they look all that good. And certainly Mika and Tresca throughout this page look pretty bad. 
Last but not least, page 95. This page, I really went to town with the bloom. And I think this page, I was doing the bloom somehow differently so that I was just painting white instead of using a different layer setting. And so for whatever reason, the bloom looks really sort of strange and it's just way too much. In the first panel, actually, I kind of like the background. The one or two characters you can see are good, and it looks like there's a little bit of detail stuff going on in the background, although I, at this point, don't remember what any of it is. Anyway, Tresca finally decides to let Mika go with her, and off they walk into the sunset, but unlike a couple of pages ago, I wasn't really smart enough to have them walking into a big blinding light so that you couldn't see that there's no one around, because just moments before in the previous panels, you see a bunch of people walking around, and now they're walking down a deserted street off into the sunset. Maybe they're just so transfixed with their love for each other that they are absolutely myopic and can't see anyone else. But they didn't run into anyone, so I don't know. Anyway, this turned out to be a fairly short chapter. When I sat down to go through the pages, I didn't even realize, but this was only about 40 pages long, which is actually considerably shorter than the chapter's average now. I think most of the other chapters averaged around 60 pages, and that's kind of what I aim for, and I don't necessarily get upset if I don't hit it perfectly, but that's about what I feel is at the right length for a chapter in Falcon Twin. That wraps up chapter 2, page 95. Next time I will be talking about chapter 3, Neophyte. So there.